of course, the big concern is how do we get talking cats? Um, now, I have thought this through. Yeah, Nick Offerman is listening to this episode right now because he's, he's a really yeah. big fan of Barbie, Princess, and the Popper. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, man, I've really been wanting to reach out to these ladies, but I'm a little shy. I'm Abby. And I'm Brianna. And this is What's Next, the pop culture podcast for... A doggish cat. I'm just like you. I think that's true. You're just like me. Yes, I can see. We take responsibility. We carry through. We carry through. Do what we need to do. Yes, I am a girl like you. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. You're just like me. You're just like me. It's something anyone can see. A heart that beats. A heart that speaks. A voice that speaks the truth. Yes, I am a girl like you. So we covered the Muppets like a couple months ago now, and that was your bit of nostalgia. Um so now I have pushed my nostalgia upon you and made you watch mm-hmm. Barbie as the princess and the pauper. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, yeah, I can list you my key takeaways or we can start a different conversation and see where it goes. Yeah, but we'll get there. We'll get I'm there. pretty sure this is the only Barbie movie I've seen besides Rapunzel. I probably watched Rapunzel. Because I saw, like, there was a screenshot of it on Twitter, like, I don't know, last week or something that I saw. And I was like, oh yeah, that looks familiar because I remembered the dragon and the rabbit. Um, but I don't remember the movie that well. I'm just sure I've seen it. And I also, I had the Rapunzel doll and the Rapunzel um, little castle thing. And the Swan Lake doll. I remember that. But I don't think I ever saw that movie. So that's where I am on my Barbie movies. And I had never seen The Princess and the Pauper despite having a Game Boy game that was Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper. I'm really bummed that I never had that game, but now I, I think I might need to download an emulator and, and play it. Because um, I'm really you interested should. now. <laughs> yeah, I actually meant to look up like a YouTube video of it, but forgot to like see... To try to remember what exactly the tasks were, because I remember it was pretty much like them just helping each oh, other. Oh, it's two D tasks. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. I don't know what I was expecting. I think I, I imagined it to be a little bit more like the Enchanted Nintendo DS game, um, which was the first video game I looked up cheats for online, and I felt like Incredible. I was like a really bad person. I panicked and. It opened up a whole new world. I had never heard of cheats and walkthroughs before, so it was really exciting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, when I had a DS, one of my favorite games was Super Mario Brothers, and that's the only video game to this day that I have ever beat. Like, I completed it. Wow. That's my crowning achievement, is beating the Super Mario game. Except, I mean, I don't know if you count that as getting all the achievements. That's kind of what Jordan counts it as, is like 100%ing something. Um, that's a 100%. That's like a 100%ing run of the game. Right, that's not what I did. No. I beat every level. Yeah, that's what most people but that consider winning the game. 
Yeah. <laughs> For Jordan, it's 100%ing because he's crazy. Mm, so. Sounds like a him problem. There are different yeah. <laughs> categories on speedrun.net. Therefore, you can finish it either way. Curtis Connor posted a video today. Have you ever watched him on YouTube? No, but I know who he is. I know friend of the pod, Bree. Yes. Him. So he posted a video today where he um, he really wanted to get the world record speedrunning a game. And I think I've told you about, like, Minecraft speedruns before and stuff, because, like, I watch those sometimes. So people speedrun all sorts of games. Like, the Mario games will speedrun, and it's, like, crazy competitive for those really big games. And for most of the games he had for his N64, they were too popular, and people would spend, like, years trying to get the world record. So he decided to pick the game in his collection that had the least number of plays on like the leaderboard so he would have the best chance possible and it was this random ass golf game made in like 1998 <laughs> sounds terrible yeah and then he, he didn't even play like the main category he had to do like um one of the various modes of it and he trained i think he spent like 50 hours playing the game and he finally got the world record he beat it by one second and i just like that's had really abby energy to it is like picking a game and just like grinding until you do yeah it really did because my first thought just now was like he spent all that time and like effort for content like to be able to make a video about it yeah it was was cool because he did interview briefly um a speed runner in, like, the speedrunning community to talk about it and, like, how people get into speedrunning and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. And I've been thinking about trying to speedrun a couple different games, and now I'm like, maybe I should. Maybe this was the boost I needed. <laughs> I would probably speedrun um, one of the Nancy Drew games. Yeah. Because, Lord knows, I don't got the time to speedrun Minecraft to be anywhere near competitive. Do you know how much time those people spend speedrunning that game? <sighs> Brianna... They spend, like, <laughs> like six to eight hours a day just grinding at it. Yeah. It's insane. Like, I'm very impressed yeah. with the dedication these people have. So good for them. Um, but I can't even finish the game in under an hour right now. So, like, that's my current goal is to get a sub one-hour run. And at that point, I think I'll be pretty happy. <laughs> the world record is 11 minutes and 10 seconds. Oh, dear. Yeah. I got a long ways to go. Speedy. Talk about speedy. Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, um, not to derail us even tangent. more. Yeah, I, it's fine. Tangents <laughs> are beautiful. We're both pretty good at tangents, so it's... Back to my experience with Barbie films. I have seen all of them through um, Barbie and the Diamond Castle. I believe it was after that when I kind of stopped watching them because my sisters outgrew them. Um, They probably got a couple more, like, on DVD for Christmas and stuff after that, but that's where I kind of stopped is... What year was the last one? Let me look it up. I want to say it was, like, 2009, but maybe it was, like, 2012. 2008. So that was kind of, like, the end of the golden age of Barbie movies, in my opinion. There's still good it's just like there's been different eras you know yeah okay so i actually did see some of them from like 2011 i did see princess charm school actually and i saw perfect christmas 2011 so yeah i watched like a decade it's been 10 years <laughs> yep i've watched about 10 years of barbie movies 
Princess and the Popper is my favorite. And Swan Lake is pretty good. The Nutcracker is good. Barbie and the Island Princess. Chef's Kiss. Some of that music is so, so good. And there's like long lost family tropes in there, which I love. Really just good stuff. She has a pet elephant who's her little friend. Um, there's an evil MILF. Um, so, Princess and the Popper. We'll chat about the movie a bit, and then um, I want to talk about how it could and should be adapted into a stage version on Broadway. Because, um, boy, do I have ideas. <laughs> and at some point... We'll have the Abby's Ideas segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point between those two sections, we will break down some of the socio-political um, topics that are present in the film and can be even more present in the musical. Um, I truly do have a lot to say, so buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. So I think I'm interested to hear what your expectations were going into the film. I don't think I spent a lot of time expecting anything. For First of all, I didn't really know what it was about because I don't know the source material either. Like, I just did not know what this story was. Like, Princess and the Pauper, I'm like, okay, I can infer that there's going to be a princess and a poor person. Um, and I didn't know it was going to be a musical either. And when you hear... I feel like Pauper, in my mind, and maybe this is just because everything in our society is defaulted to maleness but I thought the popper was a male so I was always confused as to why there were two girls that were the main characters in the movie so I just like was not clear on what this was gonna be about um and that was pretty much the extent of my expectations I expected to like it because you like it it's pretty bold I, yeah I expected to um, I expected there to be a lot of queer subtext just because that's what I assumed. I, I guess I didn't really see a lot of it. If there was a lot of it, I don't know where you stand on that type of analysis with this movie in particular, but, um... I mean, you did mention heteronormativity, which, like, there's freaking heteronormativity in every piece of children's media, right. so, like, that kind of goes um, without saying, especially this was, like, 2004 or something like that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was confused about is the title being Barbie as the Princess and the Pauper, and this is what I want your clarification on. So Barbie herself is doing the Lindsay Lohan, right? And she is playing both Annalise and Erica. Or is it Barbie and somebody else? I believe it's just supposed to be... Oh, I see what you're saying. Is it, like, Barbie as the princess? And the pauper? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um... I mean, I think, I think it's called that because she plays both, um, but, like, I don't, 
completely know. Okay, so I think it, it is her playing both, and then the voice of Barbie and Erica also, um, Kelly, she's Kelly Sheridan, she also voices the narrator, um, and in all of the other Barbie movies, or like a, a good amount of them anyway, um, it starts with some sort of framing device, which indicates that like Barbie is telling a story, therefore it's Barbie that appears as some of the characters yeah. in the story. Um, but yeah, I like that's my my best guess. It's probably not called like Barbie in the Princess and the Popper, like some of them are, because she doesn't. I mean, she looks like Barbie, but she's not Barbie in the world of the story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, because like in yeah. in Barbie and the Twelve Dancing Princesses, there's not twelve Barbies, you know. Right, yeah, she is one of the twelve, Yeah, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what I was wondering, is because the title I thought was weird, so I was like, is this just, like, the parent trap where Lindsay Lohan plays the twins, even though she's one person, and so Barbie is playing these girls, even though she's Barbie? Right. I got you. <laughs> I was just wondering yeah, about yeah. the the, um... The, I guess, I don't know what you would call it. It's not, like, the world within the world, but it kind of is. The, like, when the, like, in the Muppets Wizard of Oz, it's called the Muppets Wizard of Oz, but, like, the Muppet characters play the characters in the Wizard of Oz. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, because there's just, like, no one really. There's really no indication of the fact that it's Barbie. (laughs) No, there's not. And, like. I've literally just tried Googling it, like, why is it called that? Um, and, like, I I went on the Barbie Wikipedia page for it. There's not really a, an explanation for it or anything, so I think we're just not supposed to think too much about it. Um, but the, there are two different singing voices for Annalise and Erica. Interesting. Yeah. And that makes sense, because having one person singing with themselves is really weird. Um, right, yeah, that wouldn't really make any sense. Okay, so yes, those were your expectations going in. Um, (laughs) What did you think of the movie as a whole? I thought it was so good. I thought it was, like, almost, like, surprisingly good. Um, And why I say surprisingly good is when I figured out it was a musical, I was, like... And I figured that out just from when I was in the process of finding a way to watch it. I don't know. I guess since I don't have the familiarity with it, and it's, like a direct-to-DVD kind of situation. I wasn't expecting, like, the songs to be, like, that well done. But they were, and they were good. And I was like, oh, because originally, since I didn't know this was a musical, I thought you had ideas about, like, what the songs should be. No, no. And I was like, no, there's already songs there. Um, So that makes things even easier. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I liked, um, like, there were obviously funny parts of it. I really liked the animals. I liked the cats, because I now have a cat, so I understand what it's like to have a cat. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's my my general review. (laughs) I'm glad you liked the music. I think the music in the Barbie movies are, like, just so good. Yeah. So they're, like, the music's, like, usually good? 
in a lot of Barbie movies, they're, they're, it's a musical. Not all of them, though. Like, Whoa. like, Swan Lake and Rapunzel and the Nutcracker, I don't think are musicals. Um, although the Nutcracker does use Tchaikovsky's music. But, yeah, um, a lot of the ones from, like, 2004 on are musical or have, like, pretty prominent musical elements. And it's, like, consistently really good music. Very impressive. The other weird thing, the other weird thing about this being, like, direct to DVD, I guess, is that, like, Martin Short is one of the voice actors. And I was like, what? He's, like, the only, like, at least I think so, like, the only, like, well-known name on there. And I'm like, how did they get Martin Short to play? I'm... Per- is it Perringer? I already forgot. Perringer or Perringer? Preminger, yeah. Oh, Preminger, yep. I'm wondering if he knew, um, if he knows any of the people who did the music for it. Oh, could be. Yeah. I'm not too sure how they managed to snag him up, but, you know, probably just knew someone. It just seemed kind of random for, like, a direct-to-DVD children's Barbie movie. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Or, I don't know, would it be be direct-to-tape at this point? No, it was 2004. I think they were making DVDs, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to assume that everyone listening to this has seen the movie. If not, it's only 85 minutes long, and I promise it's worth your time. It's so good. (laughs) It's just so good. There are, like, there's so many parts to it that I just love. The songs are probably the best part, but all of it's good. Um, So the opening song, Free, my brother and I used to sing that song together, and my parents have, like, a four-poster bed. Um, and so we would, like, stand on the edge of the bed and, like, hold on to the, the posters and, like, sing that song. Yeah, I just have, like, a really strong memory of doing that with him because we both loved this movie. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, the DVD also has karaoke tracks. So Incredible. that was pretty fun as a kid. Yeah, Free is a great song. Um, we meet both Erica and Annalise, so in case it's been a while since you've seen the movie, Annalise is the princess and Erica is the pauper. Um, Erica works as a seamstress and Annalise just be, uh, she's a princess. The kingdom is, like, not doing very well. They're kind of poor. Um, they're, they have fallen in their status, so Annalise is betrothed to King Dominic. Um, to try and, like, save the family name. And, uh, yeah, that's when everything kind of kicks off. Preminger wants to take over the kingdom. Like, he won't, he sees his opportunity to, um, take over the kingdom. I d- wasn't, I wasn't even really paying attention to what his exact role was, but he's, like... I think he's, a, like, an advisor. Yeah, he's, sorts. like, a, yeah. He's, like, adjacent to the royals in some way yeah um so he decides that the best thing to do is to kidnap annalise and write a note so it looks like she ran away and then like he'll get all this money but the cat seraphina warns erica of what happened and then erica works with julian who is an advisor to the princess and she takes her place because they look a lot alike and and yeah that's like the midpoint of the movie is like her at the castle um yeah and they had met in the village prior yes. to that and realized how similar they looked they try and rescue 
um, Annalise. That's pretty much the whole plot of the movie, to be honest. There's not, yeah. there's not like a ton to it's it. Not really, but yeah, there's not a B plot <laughs> or a C plot. <laughs> no, That's like pretty much it. I think the place where some of these more complex topics come in is simply with the binary, or not the binary, I guess, but the, um, maybe that is the word? I don't know. The two-sidedness the, like, of everything in the film. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's binary. Okay, great. Um, and, like, the the class coding, like, how that's coded in different ways. Yeah, but is it even, like, is it even coded, though? Because it's just, like, part of the text. Well, I would, no, I'm, I mean, I meant in terms of, like, I guess you would say the aesthetics, like, the, it's class coded because the princess is blonde and wears pink and has a white fluffy cat. Oh, I see and, what you mean. And is, like, you know, considered beautiful, whatever, and the poor girl has brown hair and wears a blue dress and has a brown dirty cat that barks and not... And doesn't meow. <laughs> I see what you mean. And like it even starts with the title. It's the princess and the pauper. I, I just think it's really interesting. There are just like either there's there's two positions that each person can have. And then of course it's like only by breaking those positions that we can save the kingdom. Yeah, and they both end up like desiring the thing that the other person wants, like Annalise essentially wants to be poor <laughs> or she like romanticizes being poor because it means that she could do what she wanted and didn't have to deal with like the expectation of this marriage and she could work like there's a um does she oh she I think she like am I going crazy I feel like there's a scene where she like offers to help somebody with like the sewing um yeah she went she's like in the room with the person who works with Erica at one point and she helps her I think yeah um but yeah I know with Erica I think she actually is just like impressed by the stuff she makes and like thinks her gowns are really beautiful yeah so like that's interesting um and then yeah, and Erica has the very valid concern of, I want to pay off my parents' debt. That's right. all I want. Yeah. Um, and it's hard because there's, there's, like, a cynical side of me that's like, Annalise, why are you complaining? Like, you're rich. Shut up. <laughs> but also, yeah. there is, all there is like, a part of it that is more about, um, like, in early adulthood, trying to appeal to what that upper class calls for and, like, what the quote-unquote standards are and what's expected of you in order to be considered um, respectable by that class compared to, like, doing things that contribute to the world in what she thinks would be a more meaningful way. Yeah, and just, like, actually being able to marry someone that she loves, that's also important. Yeah, so, although, like, I I don't feel bad for her for having, like, money I still understand the constraint and like the pressure of her to um to assimilate to the class that she's in in a very particular way yeah you can be rich and unhappy it's okay champagne problems (laughs) yeah champagne problems also it's a kids movie so like (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's fine yeah and it and it teaches an important lesson that even like status and privilege like like doesn't make you happy Mm mm-hmm it's like a partial lesson, I guess, a, a, por- a part of the lesson of the movie. 
Okay, I, th I think I want to just jump into how this should be adapted, because I think that will allow us to delve a little deeper into some things. Oh, wait. Um, I don't know if this is the time for me to mention that my favorite song was um, Erica when she was pretending to be the princess and she was taking the bath and she was singing to Wolfie about how she ex accepts him for who mm -hmm. he is, even though he barks. Mm -hmm. Which is not what cats are supposed to do. And I sent you the Snapchat because Shadow was sitting at my that was feet so cute. looking at the TV when that song was on. It was so cute. She doesn't know what's going on. It's an <laughs> animation, but I still thought it was cute. And I was thinking about it and like Shadow does kind of act like a dog. Sometimes like she does chase her tail like Wolfie does because <laughs> she's dumb. And she plays fetch, kind of. She doesn't bring it back, but if you throw something, she'll catch it, or she'll chase it. <laughs> and she sniffs a lot. Like, she sniffs everything all the time. Which I don't think I've seen other cats do very often. So I think she, she is kind of like a wolfie. When you get here, she's gonna smell you a lot. Yeah, I've started taking um, allergy medicine, so... I would be good yeah, to go. Yeah, I was, I was going to tell you that I have allergy medicine and eye drops here, too, that I had gotten when I got her, because I didn't know if I was going to have a bad reaction to her. And I actually never used it, so... Oh, wow. Pog. There is a supply here for you. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, that is a good song. I don't think it's my, my favorite from the movie, but, like, I really like it. It's cute. Yeah. Um, okay. Adaptation as a musical... Um, like you had said earlier, I've also not seen the source material or read the source material. But, like, this is its own story. We don't need source material, okay? No. Um, pretty much all the songs can just, like, stay how they are. Of course, the big concern is how do we get talking cats? Um, now, I have thought this through. And we don't need cats. Um... Now, Wolfie will be a character because I want to sort of keep the cat's meow in there, but it's going to be changed a bit. I'll get to that. Um, so we're going to replace the cats and animals with the next best thing, which is small children. Um, mm -hmm. So we're going to bring... <laughs> I was afraid you'd say that. <laughs> we're going to bring children into the musical because they will serve as the B-plot. Um, so, like, what if we have, like... I don't know, the, um, we'd have, like, the little niece or nephew of King Dominique, um, they could be one of the characters, or they could just be two little kids from the village, or, like, there are just so many ideas out there. What if one's, like, a little pit pocket or something? Like, it's just Oliver. <laughs> we make an Oliver cameo. Or they're, like, slave children that accompany the princess. <laughs> well, that's one way we could take this, but... Because it's it gets to, like, how did they end up helping the girls, then, if they don't necessarily have, like, a relation to them, you know? Because kids get involved with everything. <laughs> I think they would just be, like, nosy okay. kids who, like, run into this, or yeah. they consider, they're, like, friends. Like, Erica would be friends with the little children in the village. Yeah. Um, which, you know, she's out there singing every day, and then, like... Could it be, like, a younger sibling that's, like, ten years younger than them? Like, respectively? Or does that change the, the Barbie source material too much? I mean, 
I don't think that would work for Annalise because if there's like another heir to the throne, it like changes the conflict. True. But that could work for Erica if she has like a little sibling to support. Yeah. That would really raise the stakes for things. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if at some point like they find out it's Erica and then they like kidnap the, the child. You know, like all kinds of things could happen there. And uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to replace him with children because um, you know what they say. Put kids on stage with you and you'll look better. That's how that saying goes, right? You know what they say, never work with animals or children. <laughs> um, well... Abby was like... <laughs> we're gonna work in both. I like to break the rules. Por que no los dos. <laughs> um, also, I have some ideas regarding Julian. One thing I find really interesting is in the song To Be a Princess... There are two routes we could go with this. And I really like Julian. So, is is it Julian? Is he the guy or is it... No, it's King Dominique He's the and Julian. Okay, great. Um, yeah. So, Julian um, is the one who's teaching Erica how to be a princess. So, in this song, he's, like, basically teaching her how to assimilate to these class and gender roles. It's, like, popular from Wicked. Yeah, but, like, not mean. He's just yeah, out here trying. In, yeah. <laughs> um, not in a catty way. Yeah. My favorite line is um, har- always harmonize in thirds, and then he, like, goes up in thirds, and then he sings the part about um, she has beautiful eyes, spirits rise when she walks in the room. Like, that part makes my heart flutter. Wow. Yeah, it's just so good. Um, so, on one hand, it's really interesting that a man is the one, like, teaching the woman about these rules. But also, what if we just cast Julian as another woman who, like, wears pants? You could. Do you see what I'm doing there? <laughs> I do, I do. And, like, are you are you picking up what I'm putting down? I am picking it up. <laughs> because... Yes. That, like, specifically the bridge of that song, I'm just... I would just love to be wooed by Julian. <laughs> um, but I feel like it changes the way that the the gender roles would be approached if it is, like, one woman teaching another woman how to um, yeah. perform femininity in the way that it's, quote-unquote, required of her to serve in this position. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one possibility. Yeah, um, one of my questions was, is there, is it a problematic power dynamic if Julian, as the tutor, likes the princess? And then I was like, I was just thinking about it before you launched into this um, production choice. <laughs> and I was like, no, because the princess is more powerful than him because she's the princess. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought you meant. <laughs> um, yeah, but I see what you I mean. Thought, I thought maybe when I was watching it, I was like, is it problematic for a tutor who's in a position of being an educator to get involved with the princess? But I also get the impression that they're like around the same age anyway. So yeah, it's like, I think it's, like it's more like... Um, yeah, no, I don't think that's... That's weird. I, I kind of have the it's, impression that, like, they grew up together. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think... And maybe he got an education because he was a man, so he had to tutor her. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, probably. Or he le- he went to the boarding school. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like uh, like Lori in, in Little Women. You know, he's got that tutor. Yeah. I think they're he's his tutor's older though, but. That's just my sidebar, but I love it. You know, the it being a woman pretty much flattens the potential power dynamic, in my opinion. So, and so the princess and Julian can end up together, yes, because that's they actually love each other. So, right, yeah, and yeah. oh, that's cute. Childhood friends to lovers. Wow. Oh, favorite trope. Yeah, I guess one of the faves. I do like that one, but only in fiction. Like, if I think about it in certain ways in real life, I'm like, well, okay, in certain ways. (laughs) Bonk! (laughs) Bonk, bonk, bonk. (laughs) Anyways, changing the topic. Anyways. (laughs) Stay on target, stay on target. Do we feel that Priminger is queer-coded? Is he a queer-coded villain? Or is he just a little bit extra because it's a musical? Hmm. I didn't really think of that. He seems like... Yeah, I don't know. Because I was going to say he seems too... Like, greedy. Post-production, Abby here. So, I was very focused on the queer coding, or possible queer coding of this character due to his flamboyance. Um... But as I was editing, I realized there was another issue that we kind of glossed over and I wanted to address it after the fact. Preminger is a name of Jewish origin and you can see by the way that this Preminger is portrayed that that is, uh, yikes. Um, anti-Semitism in Barbie movie villains is something that has been the topic of discussion online recently. So I felt like I had the responsibility to come back and say this because we missed it in the discussion before. Um, I apologize for that. If we ever do another Barbie episode, we will probably talk about this a little more because more and more online discussion has been happening around it, specifically with the Swan Lake movie. I did look into the Prince and the Pauper source material and it does not appear that Preminger was a character. So it would seem that Barbie did make this up for their purpose. Now, of course, I can't say why they chose this name, but given the characteristics combined with the name, it's not really a good look. And so there's a lot to unpack here. Okay, thank you. Bye. But, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything, you know? Because, like, as a villain, you have to have your angle, regardless of whether or not you're queer-coded. So, I don't think that really has anything to do with it. Um, yeah, I think I'd have to be more well-versed in the movie to be able to answer that question. He's not in the money for the aesthetics or, like, even the, the power. He just wants money. Yeah, even though, like, I get the impression he already has money, so I was like, he just wants to be king for power and influence, like, is that it? But it didn't, it just didn't really, I guess his motives didn't make that much sense to me. Gotcha. I guess he just wanted to be king, and it was as simple as that. Yeah, and then, like, in the song How Can I Refuse, he has dreams of, um, jumping down the wealth. I think he wants to have all this wealth so that he can become king. 
But he wants to marry the princess, and he's kind of old. So let's talk about that. Yeah, well, and then he pretty much, like, forces the queen into marrying him. Yeah, it's so fun. And they almost have a wedding, and then it gets stopped. And I'm like, this poor woman, like, at this time, she thought her daughter was dead. And she had to marry this creep. And I was like, gross. So when I had started thinking about this as a stage musical um, a couple years ago, I came up with some potential casting ideas. Um, Oh, yeah. I was curious to hear what your casting ideas were. Yeah. So I have quite a handful. But the biggest one for the queen um, is Marin Maisie. Oh. Kelly O'Hara, also a, a solid choice. Yeah, it's also a good choice. Um, if we really want someone, like, just funny, like, you know, um, not that you can't be more than funny, but, like, it depends, you know, how comedic we want to go with the movie as a whole. Um, we could also, if we really want to, like, showcase the vocals, we'll get Audra. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so those are some, some opinions for the queen. Yeah, do some, give the queen some ballads. yeah. We're going to make the queen, like, she's going to win the the Tony for featured actress in a musical. Mm-hmm. If it's the last thing I do. For the princesses, there are many options. Um, we will not be casting Republicans in this musical. So if your name is, we'll censor that. Um, but sorry, I don't give a how much people think you sound like a, a princess because you hate poor people. <laughs> So, I know that you'd probably be kind of disgusted to have to play one, um, so we're not going to cast her. Um, So, that's my tea on that. (laughs) And I think I'll just censor her name. So, we know who we're not casting. And people will, like, if they know, then they'll know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, if you know, you know. Okay, another idea is, if we can't get Audra, we have to have a star casting, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, We have to have a stunt cast in here somewhere. So... Who better than Miss Zendaya? Yeah. <laughs> and so we'll have Zendaya, and then let me show you who would play Erica. So her name is Alexis Gordon, and she is a beautiful soprano. Um, she's amazing. I saw her in A Little Night Music in Stratford, and she is incredible and beautiful, and she would be perfect with Zendaya. So um, let me let me find her picture for you. So would Zendaya be the princess or... I don't know, like... Or, like, the queen or, like, Oh, she, she would be either Erica or Annalise. Oh, okay. I'm gonna copy this image and send it to you. This is Alexis Gordon. She's amazing. Um, she played Anne in A Little Night Music, and I have not stopped thinking about that production in a while, so... <laughs> but, yeah, see, I think that her yeah. and Zendaya could pull it off on stage, you know? yeah. Um, their voices are pretty different, but, like, I kind of dig that. I think it would work well for the stage. There would be, like, mm-hmm. subcontrast there. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, like, my biggest idea that I have for them. But, I don't know, anyone would work, really. I'm not too picky. <laughs> um. I think when I was, like, looking for, to, looking to watch this movie online, I came up with, a, like, somebody's IMDb list of, like, casting for live action and I think like it was like Debbie Ryan and like somebody else like somebody some other Disney person that was like not relevant to me because I had stopped watching Disney Channel at that time like probably somebody from like Austin and Alley or something like that interesting 
I mean, I could see, like, if I were to pick Disney Channel people besides Zendaya, I could see, like, maybe Dove Cameron. Oh, maybe it was Dove Cameron, honestly. Just because, like, I don't know who, like, these newer Disney people are, I probably just, like, really register what the name was. Okay, how about if we put Miley Cyrus in it? (laughs) Jokes aside, (laughs) though, I love Miley Cyrus. I know, I do love my, Miley Cyrus. I just don't think there's a role for her. No, maybe Ju- probably not. Maybe Julian. Okay, like, you know what? That could be kind of fun. Um, But would parents take their just, children like, the queerest character, it? Julian. Yeah. I feel like there'd be some conservative parents out there who'd be so mad at that. You know what? Maybe we should just go for that angle. Yeah. And we'll just try corrupt, and be so off. Quote, unquote, corrupt princess... Barbie as the princess. Yeah, the so we'll do Miley Cyrus as Julian, and Lil Nas X will play King Dominic. <laughs> Perfect. That's pretty good, actually. I like. I'm glad that. we figured that out. Yeah. Do you have any casting ideas for um, Preminger? Is that it? I'm never gonna get it. Yeah, Preming- Preminger. Preminger. Um, I did. Let me see if I can find this like note I had. <laughs> One of her idea notes. I don't know. We just need like a a funny dude. To do it. Honestly, let's just bring Martin Short into it. Have him yeah, he could. The, he's, yeah, reprise the he's role. still living. Yeah, he can reprise his role. I do feel like this is a role that kind of has to be played by a man because, like, you have to have that awkward power dynamic with the queen. Right. It has to be uncomfy. Besides, it takes a man to do something like that. I don't know. I don't really know all that many men, to be honest with you. Yeah, Tay Diggs could be good. I was could be Jonathan Groff. Base. It's oh, almost the same character true. as King George. Yeah, he could yeah, do yeah. it. <laughs> I like that idea. We'll uh, we'll call him up. Easy. <laughs> we'll give him a ring. Yeah, I like that idea actually. In the beginning, I had to double check that the source material was by Mark Twain because I was like pretty sure it was, but not one hundred percent positive. So. It was based on The Prince and the Pauper by Mark Twain. Yes. And gross. <laughs> I never knew that the original story was The Prince and the Pauper. Oh, yeah. At least I don't... Maybe I did in passing, but just didn't care enough because um... I haven't seen the movie yet. But I feel like, to me, the Barbie movie is my point of reference for this I'm, Yeah, same here. There, there story. isn't a Mickey Mouse so. version of it. Mickey Mouse, The Prince and the Pauper. Oh. There's that and um, Mickey Mouse, Three Musketeers. There's also a Barbie, Three Musketeers. It has an an epic ball scene. One long conversation about classics later. Haven't read Hamlet either. Oops. Oh, that's one you do have to read. I know. Or watch, um, (laughs) honestly, watch the David Tennant version. It's pretty good. It's, It's actually really good. I really enjoyed it. One day... Would really like to play Hamlet. Uh, yeah. One day. Yeah. Um, not to go all Sarah Bernhardt here, but, like, that's actually where I would really like to play. Um, because talk about chaos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I'm good and ready. When I'm, when I'm 32 years old, that's when I'll be ready. When you're 32 years old and you look 16, you can do it. Hey, uh, Sarah Bernhardt played the, um the nephew of Napoleon when she was in her 50s and the character was, like, 20, so... Incredible. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. What else do you have to say on The Princess and the Pauper? Um, the only other thing that I... 
that like really stood out to me, I guess, is in the end credits, they have animated bloopers. Yes. And outtakes. Yes. And I love that so much. It was so funny. As soon as they showed like the dummy cat animated on top of the horse, I was like, wait a minute. I was like, oh my god, that was so funny. And like they showed, um, because what happens in the movie is that Serafina, the fluffy white cat, is on top of a horse trying to get into a building. And um, she's trying to get the horse to buck so that it can throw her, like, onto the roof or, like, in the window or something like that. And so they animated, like, three or four different takes of, like, this dummy cat, this animated dummy cat <laughs> um, on the horse and, like, bucking it into the house and all the disastrous things that were happening to the cat. It kept ending up where it wasn't supposed to be and, like, probably broke a window or something. I can't quite remember. And then Serafina is like, I gotta call my agent. <laughs> I know, they, they do that for, like, almost every Barbie movie. Is that animated That's movie incredible. Birds. Yeah, it's so fun. And there's, like, a little dance break at one point. Yep. Um... With, like, Julian and one of the girls. Very funny. Um, I don't know. I don't really have all that much to say that I haven't already said. Um, so I would kind of like to talk about what other pieces of media would be cool to be adapted into a Barbie movie. Oh, it's a good question. Do you have ideas? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting you to have ideas. No, um, I just thought we would jump in and ideas would come to me. And, like, they can be I mean, cursed sh- ideas, too. They don't have to be, like, good ideas. Yeah. Um, so, like, maybe a Barbie Sweeney Todd. Yeah. I know you haven't seen that yet. That that will be an episode at some point. Yeah, I feel like there could be a good, like, Barbie, like, some sort of Shakespeare adaptation. That's like, interesting, yeah. Like, uh... Twelfth Night, maybe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be a really good one. Um, I feel, Romeo and Juliet is so overdone. Don't do Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, I think Romeo and Juliet would be a bit much for Barbie, yeah. too. Even though, like, I said Sweeney Todd, but, like, yeah. there are some Shakespeare ideas I think could actually work. And See, I, I was gonna Twelfth say Mac- I was gonna say Macbeth could be fun, but also cursed. Yeah. Not the right, not the right vibe, maybe, but Twelfth Night's a good idea. Like, Comedy of Errors. Yeah. Would be a good one. Um, as you like it. Um, what about season one of Dead to Me, but as a Barbie movie? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Somebody should do, like, that with, like, dolls. Like, be, like, the most popular girls in schools in school YouTube videos, but... Recreate. It's Dead to Me. Barbie recreate. Don't get me thinking, Brianna. Oh dear, the gears are turning. Oh no, she's like, I'm gonna go down to my basement now. Literally, I'm like, wait, we See have a brunette never. Barbie, we have some small Barbie, so it's perfect for all the little kids, and that, gotta find myself my Linda Cardinelli Barbie. Oh my gosh. Carol 2015, but they're Barbies. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, what about um, no. Little Women? Yeah, or, um, Ocean's 8. Oh shit, that would <laughs> actually be Barbies. incredible. 
That'd be so cool. All their costumes would be so cute. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Barbie, the sound of music. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some other ballets, because they did two ballets. I kind of want to rewatch Swan Lake now. But do I do that tonight, or do I play Fortnite? Really hard to be a 12-year-old. <laughs> it's not easy being a 12-year-old these days. <laughs> no. There's a lot to choose. There's a lot to choose from. Um, did you ever, this is, uh, this is more off topic, but did you ever watch any of the Bratz movies? I did not. I was not allowed to play with or watch Bratz. Wow. My mom thought they, they were too trashy. sexualized. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. We had a good amount of Bratz dolls. We had a lot of Bratz babies dolls. And there's a Bratz movie where they go to prom. That's like a direct to DVD kind of situation. It's like a really short movie that I remember having and then there's Bratz Rock Angels that was iconic I loved that movie I should watch that um and then that's what like spiraled into like the Bratz TV show with that like you see like kind of like the the that animation like the 3D animation like you've probably seen memes of it yeah online yeah like that's that was the transition into that type of animation yeah, I really thought that I would have more to say on Princess and the Popper, but I made the most of what I did say. Right, yeah. you. <laughs> we, we had a good talk. We had a good, um, we did a, we talked about things that matter, so. Yeah, and had, I just want to say dive. once again how much I love the music in this movie. Yeah, it's really good. I was impressed at how good it was. I'm going to have to listen to, um... If You Love Me For Me Again, because that song, like, when it breaks into the chorus, so, like, (laughs) I don't know what it is about that song, but it's just incredible. Yeah. When I, when this movie, like, first started, when I was watching it, I was, like, wicked vibes, like, immediately. I was like, is this gonna be wicked? And then it wasn't really wicked, so. But that's what I thought it was gonna be. I think I was just trying to figure out what it was about, like, what the these two girls like what their relationship would be and so i was like making predictions about that and i was like oh it's oh that's something we didn't really talk about actually i was like oh it's just gonna be wicked yeah um but then it wasn't you had you had asked me near the start and i never really answered what i thought like if it was where the queer undertones were if there were any yeah yeah um so like i don't i don't know i do love fan art of like erica and annalise and, like, stuff like that, um, that just, like, ooh-woo, they're girlfriends. Um, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't think that's necessarily, um, I don't think those subtones are, like, super present. It's more so that they are outsiders. Um, so it's, yeah. it's, like, they are both not fitting in to the roles that they are expected to be a part of. So, yeah, it's more like within them as individuals, not in their relationship with each other. Right. Is where the subject, the subtext which is. Which is how, yeah. which is, it's like the same as um, Maria Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. It's yeah. like, yes, canonically this happens in the text, but as a character, these are the things that make room for subtext. Um, so, yeah, that's how I feel about this movie. But that said, I do love the fan art of them, and it's not that I don't ship them or anything. 
Um, it is kind of weird because they, like, look exactly alike and are played by the same person. Right, yeah, that makes it a little bit weird. But, like, that's just kind of how it is, you know? <laughs> and they don't really interact all that much with each other. Like, does this movie no. pass the, the Bechdel test? Mm. I think it does because they, they do have the conversation about, like, when they're, you know, when the two of them are together. Yeah, like, in the village. Yeah. Yeah, but doesn't it have to be, like, for a certain amount of time or, like, more than once or something? I don't think so. I think it's been, like, modified to be that, but in the original comic, it doesn't say anything about length of time. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure the original one is just it's there's two women in the movie. They have a scene together, and they talk to each other about something other than a man. Right. Yeah, because they just don't really talk to each other all that much. They have a wedding together. A double wedding. That's true. That that does not pass the Bechdel <laughs> test. Um, and the the cats have a bunch of kittens, and Wolfie <laughs> teaches Serafina how to bark. Yeah, so cute. <laughs> Anyways, we derailed a lot, but that's okay. I think people like yeah, our banter. Fine. That's what a podcast is supposed to be. It's supposed to just yeah. be like talking off topic yeah. most of it. Um, I don't know if you've ever listened to my favorite murder. The first, like, hour, they don't talk about murder. <laughs> and then you're, like, ripped. Yeah. But maybe I'll have to give it another another shot, because when I listened, it was, like, on the way to classes, so I only had so much time, you know? You can find us on Twitter at What's Next Pod C, um, or also our new website, whatsnextpodc.com. Yes, Abby labored. Labored and labored a new website, so I did. It's not perfect, but Come I'm still happy with it. I think I did an okay job. You know, it's for a, a podcast that averages 18 listeners an episode, I think it gets the job done. <laughs> okay, that's all I have to say. That's all. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Good night. <laughs> I close my eyes and feel myself fly a thousand miles away. Take flight, but would it be right? My conscience tells me stay. I'll remain forever royal. I'll repay my parents' debt. Duty means doing nothing. Your heart may well regret, but I'll never stop believing. She can never stop my schemes. There's more to living than gloves and gowns and threads and.